RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Why, crush you. It's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, please reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. If you are on Twitter, follow me at Jeff Crush. And on all other social media platforms, search out Crush Performance. Once again, we have a brand new website in the works. It's coming, everybody, I promise. It's a lot of work, but it is going to pay off. So many new great ways we're going to be able to share information and interact. I really can't wait, so uh, keep your eyes open for that. Today, episode number four in our Science of Sweetness series with Dr. Andouise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research for the Glycemic Research Institute. Um, It has been a fantastic series so far, and uh, we're dedicating one show a month to the crush war on sugar in the form of the Science of Sweetness. And today is a really big show because it's driven by you guys. We had so many emails after the last episode asking about why bananas are bad or coffee. How can coffee be bad for you? And most importantly, how do we fix it? Well, the stars are lining here in episode number four, Star Baby, because we're going to review some of the science. We're going to talk about some new data in science. And we're also going to start sharing with you how you can start fixing the food you're eating. It's all about coding and messaging the brain and making sure the food you eat gets into the right pathway for what you're trying to do. And when you look at some of the data that is out there right now, it's alarming and scary. And it just goes to show why the Crush War on Sugar, the Science of Sweetness series is such an important conversation. You know, when we look at obesity, for example, some data coming out of the World Health Organization, worldwide obesity has nearly tripled since 1975. Despite everything we know, despite all the diets, all the programs, again, obesity has tripled since 1975. And here's the thing, obesity is preventable. And when we look at diabetes, you know, the number of people with diabetes rose from 108 million in 1980 to 422 million in 2014. And that incredibly scary trend has continued right into 2020 and 2021. Diabetes is a major cause of blindness, kidney failure, heart attack, stroke, and lower limb amputations, and it can be treated and its consequences avoided or delayed by monitoring your diet, getting physically active. Medication is playing a huge role here, but regular screening and treatment for complications is critical. The number one factor here is diet, diet and physical activity. And that's, again, why our conversation today, the science of sweetness, is so, so important. So let's get right into it. We're joined now by Crush Favorite, Dr. Andouise Allen, the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Dr. Allen, here we go. The Science of Sweetness, Episode 4. Thank you so much for uh, taking part in this incredible series we have going here. Yeah, it's really been fun and exciting. And, you know, we always uh, have our little powwow the day before to go, okay, what juicy thing are we going to, you know, attack on the next podcast? So this is like, what, number four? This is number four, and there are no shortage of juicy things to attack. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> and, and, and you know what's interesting? Because uh, your listeners will love this. We're now moderating and changing our topics based on their questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it is a powerful thing when we start getting the community involved. And for everybody out there right now, I'm telling you, we really do appreciate all the emails, questions, comments, and even the smart remarks. We're having a bit of fun as well. But uh, Doc, we've got a couple questions today that have come up again and again. We'll get to those in a second. But for our new listeners, for people who are maybe just tuning in for the first time, the science of sweetness, everybody, is... Uh, We put this series together to help educate people on things they should be thinking about, things that you maybe wouldn't typically know about unless you really did a deep dive into the science and the research. And that's why we have Dr. Anduise Allen as our go-to person. Doc, just, you know, one thing that I think everybody really appreciates about the approach of this series is just, it's no BS. It's just based on science and science is all powerful uh, when you just really dig down and get to the right answers, isn't it? It has to be that. Science has to dictate where we go. Listen, science is changing so quickly, so fast. You know, it's at mock speed. And as we've said before, if you if you don't follow the evidence wherever it leads you and you don't question everything, you're not going to get the answer. So if we're happy just sitting on a platform that was 2007, that ain't going to work. We have to constantly evolve um, the science. Now, when you evolve the science, if you're in the right field, which specific is how do we fix things or change things. So a lot of research is like, oh, here's a thing. Here's a new gene that, you know, aggravates the uh, ability to uh, develop cancer and cancerous tumors. Uh, but that's nice. Okay, now we'll pass it on just to a pharmaceutical company who may be able to do something about it to downregulate that gene, which is really what we have to do. Um but, but the thing is, science will just sit unless it goes to the next level, which is, okay, well, that's crazy stuff about the human body, but what are we going to do about it? Right. And, and do- How can we fix it? Right. And that, I think you hit the nail on the ha- head there, Dr. Allen, and you and I have talked about this, uh, whether it's with our board of directors and science group and our, our, our colleagues in, in the industry. Um, the research is really, really good at pointing out and identifying problems which is an important piece of the puzzle. We often say, you know, even to our athletes, we often say uh, it's really hard to fix a problem unless we really truly understand the problem. So that is, that's one big part of it. But, but I think, you know, getting to your point, we have so much research that is defining the problems. Very little uh, research has taken the next step to, you know, take, take us to the solution. And that's kind of what. Yeah, the where, so- where's the answers? Where right. are the answers? Right. Listen, if I was listening to a podcast, about, you know, new science, new research, and nutraceuticals, nutrition, whatever, I'd go, okay, that's really nice. You know, you just told me that a banana's out of the game because a <laughs> banana, you know, can regenerate progenitor fat cells. I'm going to go, well, why the hell are you telling me that if you're not going to tell me how to fix it? Don't, why am I wasting my time listening to this stupid-ass podcast if you're not going to tell me what to do? Right. So, you know, one of the funniest things that we'll, you know, address is that – if you just look at the metrics of it, okay, it, okay, in, in, in the metrics of burning fat and losing weight and all, okay, which you really don't lose weight, you, you're trying to lose fat. Nobody wants to lose weight. You don't want to lose muscle mass. You know, you don't want to lose organ tissue, you just want to lose body fat. And unfortunately, those ketogenic diets go after the organ tissue and the water weight. And the last thing they hit is, is body fat, which that's just stupid, all right? Anyway, I told you I lectured with Dr. Atkins for two years on stage for Newsweek magazine, 
And I would always turn to him and say, Dr. Atkins, you're a lovely man and a complete idiot. And he would just <laughs> scream with laughter. Thank God he thought it was funny instead of cold cocking me. Right. But, you know, if you just look at the metrics, in order to lose a pound a week, you have to cut your calories by a minimum of 500 calories a day. Okay. Really? Okay. And since Americans consume the highest amount of calories, you know, have you ever wondered how much calories the average American eats a day? It's uh, between 3,779 and 4,000. All right. Okay, that's all good. But that doesn't tell you, like, how you, you get your body to burn the fat instead of just losing weight. Who wants to lose weight if it's just water weight or, you know, muscle mass? That's not going to help you. You want to have a fat stomach, you know? Because the fat's still sitting there, but you've lost the weight. Right. So you know what? If you look at craziness, over 80% of our population has insulin resistance. Right. Scary. Scary number. That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, what we have to do is say, look, what you think about losing weight, what you think about diets is really ridiculous and a load of crap. Sorry to tell you. I mean, I've been doing this research for 30 years on humans to see why does the fat, why does stuff go in the fat cells? How does it get there? Uh, what does a fat cell have to say about that? You know, how do you burn, how do you get the fat cell to burn the fat without burning organ tissue? There's not an athlete in the world that wants to lose muscle mass. Amen. So why would he do something ketogenic? Who wants to lose muscle mass if you're an athlete? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Allen, you know, in our first episode of The Science of Sweetness, you guys, it's all posted online. You could check it out for sure. But I think it was one of the most profound statements made so far and one that had maybe one of the greatest reactions from our listeners. You said, and this is to kick the whole series off, oh, don't, we, don't we have the right to know how the food we eat impacts our metabolism? Those were your words, and that's a quote-unquote right there. Um, powerful stuff. And, and what you just said here about you know the, the number of calories we're consuming per day, that's a piece of the puzzle. We do know that diets don't work. We know that for a fact. That it's, a, it's a statistic that's well-documented that upwards of 90% of all diets fail because it's not realistic. But when it comes to weight loss and controlling body mass or body composition, we know that, that diet makes up the majority of the difference you can make. Yet we're so misunderstanding the diet and the foods we eat. And it kind of comes back to that comment you just made about the number of calories and our conversation last week that stirred up a whole new hornet's nest about a calorie not being a calorie. Not all calories are created equal. And I think this is where people start falling off the cliff and really just throwing their hands up going, what is going on, right? Does that make sense? Oh, that's, you're totally right. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a maze. It's a mouse maze. If you go in the grocery store, why do you think people aren't able to get control of their bodies, have their bodies look and act like they want? Because it's a mouse maze of bad nutritional uh, recrimination of, okay, wait a minute, I'm going in here. What's going to actually, look, there's only one thing you should care about. And here's a, here's a really interesting calculation. All right. We decided to look at if you're jogging around the block, right? Okay, let's we're jogging around the block now. Here's the sad thing about jogging around the block. I mean, yes, endorphins, that's great. You got the sun coming on your skin for serotonin, la di da di da. That's all great, okay? Good for you. But look at this, look at this data. Running around the block is a very inefficient way to burn fat because your your body is not gonna preferentially burn fat first. That's about last. 
as you know, as you know very well in the calculation of, of what you're going to burn when you're actually moving, and what you know this better than I do, actually, that the last thing it's going for is, is adipose tissue fat. But here's what's interesting. If you're sitting on a sofa and you're watching TV and you ain't really moving, you got your dog on your lap and you're not going nowhere, right? You're not moving. You can effectively burn more fat sitting on that sofa, not moving, by putting something that's the appropriate thing in your mouth that tells your fat cells to burn than if you're jogging around the block. Yeah, incredible. And that's that messaging, whole messaging system we've been talking about through this entire series, this sort of GPS system and communicating properly, sending the right signals to the brain. And, and that whole comment about exercise, Dr. Allen, you know, and again, this is well-documented data as well. If you're trying to really get control of your body composition, um, you know, yeah. uh, exercise is a very inefficient way to do it. You just mentioned that for sure. And, you know, it is incredibly important to exercise for cardiovascular health and things like you said, you know, muscle density, muscle mass, for sure. That it is important and critical for health. But when it comes to controlling body composition, 80% of your uh, adjustable weight is going to be controlled by your diet. 80%, only 20% through exercise. And that's at the best possible conditions. So again, that's another reason why the science of sweetness conversation is so vitally important when you look at the trends, as you said, in diabetes and obesity that we're seeing today. And you know, it's interesting. Um, you know how much I lecture all over the world. Yes. So I, I, I decided, I go, why am I, you know, using old scientific words that don't fit anymore? And so I said, look, I told the audience, I said, I was at the Tokyo convention and there were 10,000 people sitting there. And I said, look, I'm not going to call it diets anymore. So let's just take that out of the conversation. Love it. It's not diets. It's what goes in your mouth as an edible computer chip. So whatever's going to go in your mouth, it doesn't matter if you even spit it back out. Like diet sodas, you can swish it around your mouth and spit it back out. still going to do the same damn thing. So really we're talking about foods and anything you put in your mouth is being edible computer chips, which are they're going to tell the brain and the body what to do with what you just put in. Can you redirect that? Yes, it's called coding. But the purpose is whatever you put in your mouth is going to go a set pathway until you decide, uh-uh, I'm changing the pathway. So as in a banana, as we'll discuss today, which people went nuts over that, a banana, when it gets in the body and it hasn't been, like, recoded, um, then it's going to take the wrong blue pathway. It's going to do the wrong thing. Uh, coffee's the same way. We'll talk about that. So really, if, if everybody knew, okay, if I do this with my body and I put this in it, this isn't going to happen. Now, we're going to talk about some fun examples today of stuff that I can tell you how to get in the grocery store to change the metabolic outcome of coffee, of smoothies, of, you know, all kinds of things. We're going to you know, Crusher said, hey, get down, to, get down to brass tacks and tell these people what the, how they can still have what they want to eat, but we just changed the metabolic pathway, which is called coding. So just remember that anything that's going to go in your mouth, even gum, and I'll tell you why gum does. So people go, that's crazy. Um, gum does it because it has a bricks level. It has a sweetness level. And anything that has a sweetness level is going to be contrasted to the brain and then the hypothalamus, and then it will decide what it's going to do. So 
All right, so the gum, you might get one calorie. That's not the point. The point is if you've told the brain, oh, here's something really sweet, and it's like 15 times sweeter than sugar on bricks or whatever, um, and it's really sweet, and you're chewing it, you don't even have to swallow it because the brain has already started the train going that says, hey, oh, guess what? We got some fuel coming in here. We need to release insulin, and that's a bad Bad thing. Oh, you're so right. All right, everybody, we have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to some of your questions and we're going to start teaching you how to code the food you're consuming right after this on Crush Performance. This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by the Bricks Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. Everything we eat and drink impacts our bodies in some way. No matter if it's low fat or high fat, high protein or no protein, a carbohydrate, a sugar, an artificial sweetener, added sugar or no sugar. No matter what we consume, there's a metabolic response that impacts our bodies in some way. Don't you think it's time we better understood what that impact might be? That's the mission and the passion of the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. They're a research and certification company dedicated to helping us all better understand how the foods and beverages we consume affect us all. And not only are they dedicated to educating us on the foods we eat, they're on a mission to help food companies create and or reformulate any edible product by providing independent investigations and verification in order to identify blood sugar and metabolic impact of a nutraceutical, pharmaceutical, food or beverage, sugar sweetener, or bio-sweetener for claims and FDA label substantiation. It's very important work. We're proud to have the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute supporting the Crush War on Sugar's Science of Sweetness series. Each month, we've dedicated an entire episode to our Science of Sweetness series where we'll be investigating and attacking some of the most important questions concerning the foods we eat and how they impact our bodies, our brains, and our performance. For more information, go to bricks-certified.com. That's bricks, B-R-I-X-certified.com. And if you're a company looking to up your game and produce and supply better products, click on the client application form and let's all work together to create better foods, supplements, pharmaceuticals, sugars, and sweeteners for everybody. And be sure to join us on the first show of each month as we roll out our Science of Sweetness series right here on Crush Performance. Let's get back to it right now. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Episode number four of our Science of Sweetness series with Dr. Andouise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research from the Glycemic Research Institute. If you want to get in touch with us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Dr. Allen, we were just talking about how diets don't really work and how the foods we eat really are connected to and impact our body composition and, and what happens in our bodies. Some of the most important findings have come out of research based on liquid beverages. And you were part of this incredible research. Um, you mentioned the swishing of the diet sodas. When they actually cracked the code on the diet sodas, when they discovered that diet soda was actually 
uh, causing more obesity than regular sodas. That was a major, major breakthrough. But but even I think even more uh, important coming out of that research was the idea that you could swish it in your mouth, spit it out, not swallow a drop and still have the same metabolic process happen as if you'd swallowed the entire the entire drink. That, that, and if you'll remember, Crusher, at that time, Clear Channel asked me to do that four-hour live radio show yeah. with my partners at NIH and Johns Hopkins University to say, what the hell? Right. And remember, it was a four-hour live show on Clear Channel to say, how is it that diet sodas are fattening? How is that even – people wanted to – I don't get it. Right. Because right. we've got to change our paradigm. A calorie is not – a calorie. I've told you that my athletes can ingest 10,000 calories a day and hold a 4 to 6% body fat. That right there tells you. Yeah. But it's, it's more than that. It's that we have got to change the food system. We can't change the human body. I mean, seriously, that's going to take another million years of evolution. But what we can do is change the food system. And, and yes, we, we can't really hold humans responsible because what are sp humans supposed to do? Go in the grocery store and stand there and go, okay, what food in here has been coded to have the right metabolic outcome? Where, what? Has this banana been coded? You know, has this coffee been coded? Has it been changed to have a different metabolic? They'll throw you out the, the damn store. So, you know, we're going to educate people as much as we can, but the primary interest for, for you, me, and our researchers is to change the food. Yes, I like, and that goes back to our last show, Fix the Food. And Doc, we had an unbelievable response from our listeners, from academic the academic community. We had people from universities calling. When we started talking about the fact that the food industry has evolved faster than our bodies, when we talked about that evolutionary, evolutionary discordance, we are so out of whack. Our food system has changed so much. Our bodies have not changed. What we have to change is yes, the, we have to fix the food, but we also have to change our mindset when it comes to the food we eat. Do you, do you think that sort of uh, resonates with sort of the message we've yeah. been sending here? Absolutely. And, and the way that I'm trying to force the industry to do it, I mean, you know, the big food companies that I do the research for, but uh, anyway, the point is that, you know, you can't ask a company to take every product they have in the grocery store ch shelf, take it off and buy tomorrow, fix it. Right. Right. But you, that, that's not going to work. But we have to make this research and science available so that manufacturers can begin to think, wait a minute, if we can change the metabolic outcome and really reduce the incidence of type 2 diabetes and obesity and, you know, Alzheimer's that's related to insulin spills and stuff like that, my God, we can make a huge change. And if we don't do anything, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're just going to get fatter and fatter and fatter. And who's taking responsibility for that? Who? Who is taking responsibility for going, wait, what we're doing ain't working. Now, one of the there's one organization is University of California, and I'm working with them, and it, it, they're, they're amazing because they're it's the Department of Anthropology, right. and they're saying, okay, look, we want to make a difference. How can we make food different? And I was like, oh God, I love you so much, right? Because now you've got this whole group of PhD anthropologists and evolutionists saying, how can we change the food? And so what we have to do is start companies that want to change their food, and it doesn't mean the taste or the quality or any of that. You can easily recode it all natural without changing the taste or the benefits of that product, whether it's coffee or whatever. 
Now, I cannot change the metabolic activity of a, of a banana, okay? I am not, I'm not qualified to do that. You know, uh, you know I told you we have a, uh, a saying on our, our wall at the lab that says, in God we trust, all others must show data. So, okay, Liz, <laughs> if God wants to change the banana, go for it because I can't. <laughs> that is great. That's got to be a T-shirt. I'm telling you right now, that is going to be a T-shirt. I love it. That is fantastic. Well, you know, you mentioned um, who's going to take responsibility. I, I don't think anybody's really taking responsibility here, but I will tell you who is taking a beating is our healthcare systems. Listen, when we look at the incredible surge of obesity and health-related issues there, diabetes and the health re- issues there, but now degenerative brain disease, I think trumps all of those. And of course, the health issues there because we don't know how to fix that. I mean, once the brain starts slipping away, we don't know how to fix it. Literally, and this is, again, another thing that's really, really prominent in the literature is our healthcare systems are on the brink, on the very brink. And and all we need to do is adjust. We need to adjust at the ground floor. And that's what today is all about. So, Dr. Allen, how about this? Let's kick it off. We've kind of alluded to it already. We've had some fantastic emails come in. You guys can get to us, info at crushperformance.com. You can also write at the uh, um, BRICS website. Um, and you can go to uh, bricks-certified.com is, is the website. You can write uh, messages there as well. But coming in last week, this one comes from Tracy. When we, when we mentioned black coffee last week, <laughs> this is the kind of response we got. And we had hundreds of these. But this is from Tracy. Um, she goes, black coffee, what? How do I drink black coffee correctly? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Coffee was supposed to be sugar-free. How does it cause an insulin response? And this is just how confusing this is, Doc, but it's it, it's a great, great question. So thanks for that one. Oh, yeah, and I, I love it when I get asked that. And I usually go into some long scientific thing, and they go, okay, cut the crap, Doc, just tell me. Okay, so look, I'm going <laughs> to give you some of the science so you don't think we're just making it up. Okay, sometimes when I go off, off, off on a science thing, you know, from the Institute of Pharmacology and Neuroscience, Okay, you guys are going to go, God almighty, shut up. Why are you talking about that? Because I want to give some background to the science. So, you know, because some of it sounds so wacky, it gets up. They're just making it up. The talking and Crusher just making this stuff up. <laughs> no, we're not. And that's why I'm going to lay down some of the science. So the naysayers out there go, oh, okay, this is like real stuff. All right. So, one thing that's really interesting. Because we were just talking about cognitive disease, right? Yeah. And how Alzheimer's is affected by so many things. So you're thinking, how could Alzheimer's be affected by coffee? How how could the brain be affected by coffee, positive or negative or whatever? So I'll give you an example. The Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Yes. From the Institute of Pharmacology and Neuroscience. And the Faculty of Medicine and Unit of Neurosciences and the Institute of Molecular Medicine. Yeah, you want to play with them? Argue with them, all right? Um, now, of course, we did the research to find out why and how we could fix it, but this is what comes up. How does it affect Alzheimer's of the brain? Because coffee, this is crazy, coffee causes most of its biological effects in the body by antagonizing all types of what's called adenosine receptors. Mm-hmm. And those are A1, A2A, A3, and A2B, and everybody's going, I don't care. Okay, but the point is, when it causes this effect, it exerts effect on, guess what? The neurons and the glial cells of the brain. 
because it's sending, okay, do you hear that? Effects, it has exerts effects on the neurons and glial cells of the brain, coffee. And people are going, holy crap, okay, all right, whatever. Well, we've studied this for years and years and years, and I have patents in this of how to recode it, but um, it, it, okay, let me give you an example. The Journal of Diabetes Care, they don't joke around. Caffeine and coffee impair glucose metabolism. All right, let's just, I've got massive research I can refer you to, but we, we don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But even The Lancet, the number one journal in the world, coffee consumption and risk of type 2 diabetes. Um, it, it, it really has a wacky response. Um, okay, uh, I'll give you another one. The Journal of Nutrition, coffee ingestion impairs blood glucose management in diabetes and non-diabetes. So don't even start arguing with me that coffee doesn't do a thing. I could sit here all day um, and I could, I could, we could go over this over and over and over, but you're going to say, okay, stop with that, with the research. I could, I got 50 pages of this crap we could go over. But the point is like, <laughs> they're going to go, they're going to tell me, shut up. <laughs> Hey, I doc. Hey, I I really like that. Uh, it affects blood glucose management. That's a powerful statement right there. And what is that? Switch the brain, switch the game. Yeah, absolutely. Switch the brain, switch the game. It says it on the baseball drink. Yep. Switch your brain, brain, switch the game. If the brain is confused or doesn't like what's going on, there is going to be hell to pay. It's not. It's not just directly the metabolism. The most important thing is when it goes in the mouth and sends the messages throughout the, the entire neural system of communication, that's who decides where it goes, not the stomach. When the food and the whatever beverages get in the stomach, came over. It's sitting in the stomach waiting to be metabolized and, and, and used as energy or whatever, but the prediction of where it should go has already been determined, predetermined when it goes in your mouth. And the message goes from the receptors in the mouth, the T1R1, I told you, T1R2 and T1R3, to the brain, to the brain. That's why it doesn't matter if you spit it back out or you just chew the gum and, and don't swallow it because that message is going to go directly through that neural transportation information system to the brain, to the hypothalamus. And by the time it gets to the gut which and starts doing what it's supposed to do, maybe 20 minutes later, it's already been gotten to the brain in 11 seconds. So the brain has 11 seconds from the time it gets in the mouth to go, what is this? What are we going to do with it? What the hell is this thing? And what am I going to do with it? So, you know, by the time you, you, you get down to the gut, so they always say, oh, it, it's the gut metabolism. That's a load of crap. That's just how the food gets metabolized, okay? It just gets metabolized like that. So really... What, you know, we've done, what's interesting to do, yeah, we can put an intelligence inside of any coffee or whatever, and that delivers the message to the brain and the body to speed up the cal calorie burning process instead of going the other way. Um, so if it's going to stimulate that mechanism that says, uh, you know what, we're not going to give you some adipose tissue fat calories, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to do what we want to do. And that's why we have to redirect it. But for now, I'm going to tell people what they can do in a grocery store, in their house, to fix the coffee and fix the smoothies and whatever in an easy way to do. But can we have, educate the whole world on this? Yeah, but I think it's more important to get the manufacturers to get onto this and start fixing the food. Not the food that's sitting there. Now, not a potato. 
you know, and a tomato for not can't fix. I'm not talking about the food that's sitting there, um, or a steak or whatever. I'm talking about manufactured foods and snacks and stuff, which makes up the majority of what people are going to eat. Right. You know, people aren't necessarily going to go to the fruit section and eat that all day. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Allen, you know, um, in Canada and in the U.S., uh, earlier in August, there was a report that came out looking at sugar consumption. And thank goodness, and I think we, hopefully maybe we had a, a little part to do with that in our conversations in a war on sugar year over year. Um, but sugar consumption is down, especially in our youth. However, uh, your comment just brought this to light in my mind here. However, the consumption of processed foods and simple carbohydrates is through the roof. So, you know, we have sugars on one side, but then we have the whole carbohydrate thing on the other side and processed food thing on the other side, which kind of alludes to what you're just talking about here. Exactly. So that's what the, you know, the science of sugar is about. If you think you can just, you can just cut your sugar consumption and, you know, oh, that's the answer. That is not the answer. What about all the other stuff that you're eating that is 10 times more intense on its metabolic response than sugar. Actually, sugar, you know, in terms of let's look at the the matrix of it, we'd put that at about a 78 or 87 in in a negative metabolic response. But now you've got a banana and, and a glucose polymer and stuff that's in food, but just a banana, and we're going to double that, okay? Right. Double it. Right. And that goes back to the other question that came in. Uh, we're traumatized by the comment that bananas are bad for us. What do we put in our smoothies? <laughs> smoothies, oh, smoothies. I'm gonna tell them. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna tell them. <laughs> but these okay. are the questions that are coming in. So this is great. We're, people I are actually it. starting Listen, to think I love about your this. Audience. Yeah, I do people, too. I love, I love you guys. You. Yeah, <laughs> we love you for yeah. the questions you're asking. Because to me, the question are they're so juicy. Yeah. Okay. Really are. So you know, uh, we've gotten a lot about. Well, what does coffee do that's so bad? Right. So you know, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but. I've been, I started researching that in 1983, and I have a patent on it on how to recode coffee. Okay, so we won't go into that, but the point is, I was like, what the hell? Coffee's bad? So if you, if you really want to do it, go to Google and look at the peer-reviewed published clinical trials in humans that have clearly demonstrated that coffee, guess what? Three words, impairs glucose metabolism. Now, do you want that? I'm telling you, no, you don't. So the clinical findings that have been demonstrated just black coffee. Um, but it's also anything containing caffeine, an energy drink or whatever, impairs glucose metabolism, right? It's just that simple. And what it triggers is weight gain, blood sugar highs and lows, metabolic crash and burn, which is high energy followed by the low energy. So, it, okay, that's that's the bottom line. It impairs glucose metabolism. That's what you don't want. Because when you impair glucose metabolism, you get that cascade, the metabolic cascade, going into the fat cells, making more fat cells in your, in your body, um, elevating your blood glucose and insulin levels, and then causing the, the redundant crash and burn, where your blood sugar goes up and then it crashes down. So that's what coffee does. Any other questions about coffee? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I think the only other question now is how in the heck do we fix it? Right. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. such a, it's such an incredibly important conversation because this is what's going to sort of, you know, I think of this giant tanker ship in the Suez canal that got jammed up there 
and and what a slow turn it is to turn a tanker ship around. That's what I feel we're up against when it comes to our our food supply and our food chain. We do really need to start making this turn. And I think it's happening right now because some of the questions that are coming in are incredible, Dr. Allen. But there is hope, right? There's some simple things you can do right now yeah, yeah. to start turning it around. I mean, it's just it's it's not crazy madness. It's actually quite common sense when you get down to it. That's a really good point. That's a really good analogy, too. And people have constantly asked me when I'm lecturing about it, they'll say, well, is that just brewed coffee? Is it black coffee or what? Okay, here's what the answer is to that. All forms of coffee, including caffeine as a raw material, including ground caffeinated coffee or instant coffee. Now, instant coffee has a very low caffeine content. But what we're going to see from those, even instant coffee, is a chronic blood glucose excursion, which triggers type 2 diabetes, hypoglycemia, reduced sports performance, weight gain, obesity, lack of focus, increased hunger. So when you eat, have coffee, an hour later, you want something that's real fuel, and your body said, well, give me some potato chips or I'll have some french fries. It caused you to eat something fattening in the next meal which is the increased hunger response, lethargy, lack of energy, increased size of fat cells, and the development of additional adipose tissue fat cells. So please, people, just be cognizant that there is a very high metabolic reaction if you're drinking black coffee. Right. And that's that's kind of counterintuitive, right, Doc? Because we also heard all of the important information about um, the health benefits of the polyphenols in coffee, right? So we're kind of in a conundrum. You are exactly right. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. Listen, this coffee is fabulous. As you know, I have lots of patents on coffee. Yeah. Okay. Because what I said was, no, no, no. Coffee isn't bad. Coffee isn't bad. It just has to be delivered with the right message. Okay. Beautiful. We just have to change a couple little things, which you guys can change at home. You don't have to have to go out and buy coffee that's been recoded. You can fix it at home, and I'm going to tell you how to do that, how to change the entire message of that negative metabolic um, cascade in such an easy way. Because, you know, when you start imbalancing the blood sugar, you get all of those side effects that, that I was just talking about. But, but you know, it's amazing. It's exactly what you said. Well, how do we fix it? What do we do? What, I'm not, are you saying people are giving up coffee? So when, you know, people said, well, should we not drink coffee? I said, no, that's insane. <laughs> that's like them and a woman, she can never have chocolate. That's not going to go either. Dangerous okay? territory there. Dangerous, dangerous oh, territory. highly dangerous. Highly dangerous. <laughs> highly dangerous. I told them, you know what I say? I say that's equal to the, the loving wife saying to her spouse, there will be no more sex for two years. <laughs> what? We talking about uh, that's yeah, the, you know, the equivalent is telling women you don't get to have chocolate. Don't that's even think about it, Mister. Like, <laughs> right? Don't even think about it. Uh, so no, look, there's practically nothing on the face of the earth that we can't modify or change. And so when we were talking about bananas, okay, look, all this about the calcium bananas. What a load of crap! Why don't you do an analysis of a banana? Okay, you'll get a better nutrient profile and and, and uh, uh, metabolic profile out of here's what you can switch. Forget the bananas. Stop it. Especially in children where it causes progenitor fat cells, which is more fat cells. Remember, obesity begins in the womb. If you're pregnant, 
cut the freaking bananas out or don't. I don't care. I'm just telling you. I ain't the food police. I'm just going to tell you what's happening. You're going to build more fat cells in your fetus. If you want to do that, go ahead. Hey, That's your choice. Hey, Dr. Allen. Dr. Allen, hey, can you hold on to your thoughts now about, about fixing the coffee and everything? This, this right here is a very, very important conversation, right? So, mm-hmm. like, for example, um, you know, because we know pregnancy is very, very difficult, right? And I know that uh, my mom, she told me that when, when she was pregnant with, with, with Jay, my older brother, she had certain types of cravings. When she was pregnant with me, it was like pickles and chocolate ice cream or some crazy, crazy yeah, cravings like stuff. that. Ooh, good stuff. Cravings <laughs> like that. But, but, but there's a really important message here, right, for moms and expecting moms that what you eat totally, totally starts programming um, what, your, what your baby's going to look like, yep. right? I mean... It's, Obesity begins in the womb. Yeah. Just that simple. Yeah. So you can have a kid, a baby, that's a nice normal weight. It might be seven pounds and it, the baby doesn't look obese. But guess what? When that baby gets to be a 35 obese diabetic man, you can have that to thank for as part of the contributor. Now, and here's what's interesting. If the mother changes it, or look, if we change the metabolic, we're drinking coffee. If we just slightly change the metabolic response, which you can do in your kitchen, Where's what you've changed? This is what this is how serious it is that you changed. Okay, it will then you can switch that coffee, tea, or or smoothie, and well, I'm going to tell you guys how to do that. Then it will have a quote positive effect on carbohydrate metabolism and insulin sensitivity, and only a small amount of what you've ingested will convert to plasma triglycerides, less than one percent. Wow. Come on, okay. Um, the, the second thing is de novo fatty acid synthesis, if you change up that message, is less energy efficient than storing dietary fat. So that switching it up induces de novo lipogenesis, which is unlikely to promote weight gain at reasonable doses. It doesn't over-elevate blood glucose or insulin. It doesn't activate fat cell activity. It doesn't stimulate lipoprotein lipase. There's all kinds of things that have to do with including the bank, the pancreatic beta cells. And they're glucose transporters, and Crush is going to go, don't go there. Don't yeah. start with the glucose <laughs> transporters. Yeah. And see, Patan, I'm not listening to you. But it changes the entire message going into the body. Right. So today we're just going to give you some simple things to do that will switch one metabolic message to another, and you won't have any lost, any taste or flavor or or happiness from caffeine from coffee for all of our listeners out there listen that was a lot of science right there and it is important stuff it's incredibly fascinating too when you dig down so you can go back and listen to this part of the podcast again and again and again but basically what we're saying is the messaging all of that stuff comes down to the messaging and for those that don't know insulin is a hormone that your body releases that simply just regulates blood sugar and when insulin goes up, listen, whether there's sugar there or not, it's going to do its job. It really doesn't have a choice. And that's one of the key factors in this whole formula. All right, we have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, the final segment of episode number four, stick around. We're going to tell you how you can start fixing your foods right after this with Dr. Andrew Allen on the Science of Sweetness. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, write Crusher at CrushPerformance.com and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, back to the Crusher. And welcome back to Crush. 
performance, everybody. There you have this sweet strumming sounds of Bardic Form. These guys can flat out play guitar. Some of the best I've ever seen anywhere. And then when they bring in their guest performers, oh my goodness, it's such a show. Listen, you can check them out online, bardicform.com. But if you ever get a chance to see the guys live, it is one heck of a show. want to thank them for letting us uh, spin their incredible music. All right, we're back to the science of sweetness here on Crush Performance with Dr. Anduise Allen, and we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to give you guys some information on how you can start fixing the foods you eat, especially with some of the questions that have come in over the last couple of weeks. Dr. Allen, we were just talking about the influence of of foods on on our fat cells, our bodies, and even for pregnant moms, how important it is to pay attention to the food you eat. And we also talked about how insulin actually works in the body. Once you flick that switch on, it's on and, and you can't turn it off. And that goes back to a question we had in episode number two from Sarah about how artificial sweeteners can be as damaging as regular sweeteners. And sometimes even regular sweeteners like are, are probably better suited for human beings than some of the artificial stuff out there, correct? You're absolutely you're right. But guess what? All those companies call me and go, we're, we're your house is we're going to blow up your house if you say that again. And you know, <laughs> don't say it then. Don't say I'm it. Not, you know, my <laughs> husband's always saying, "Don't put your name on your car tag for the love of God." Right? Uh, I say, okay, fine. You know. Yeah. Uh, but the, but but the point is that I say, no, 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 no. I'm not telling you to not have any artificial sweeteners. I'm not telling you to have any uh, monk fruit or or stevia or anything like that. I'm going to say it has to be metabolically controlled when it goes in your mouth. Right. And you can do that from stuff in the grocery store or on a, a manufacturing level for manufacturing coffees or teas or food. You, we can switch up that message real easy. We can switch it up and change the glute pathway. But there's ways you can do it at home, too. Yeah. Let's talk about that, Dr. Allen. We, I think we've laid out a really, really compelling story here for everybody who's listening. Um, and, and it goes deep. And you guys can now understand why uh, the Science of Sweetness series is going to roll on one episode per month all year, because we can't possibly get to it all. But but hopefully we're planting seeds here to get everybody thinking about maybe something they haven't thought about before. But again, like all research, we're looking for answers. So, Dr. Allen, let's talk about that black coffee, that, that message from Tracy, because I still see those four question marks and that big, bold capital, what? No black coffee? Um, in terms of things people can do at home to help uh, course correct their the, the metabolic pathways, what are some of the th simple things we can do? Okay. And that's people's favorite thing, right? They, you know, they one time said, hey, we want you to go in a grocery store with a film crew and go up and down the aisles and go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, right. no, or get this and put it in that. And I was like, okay, that's going to work for a week until they all change the formulas, as they do all the time. Um, okay, so one of the most egregious things you can do, let's just talk about everybody wants their beloved coffee. That's fine. Okay, great. Who the heck doesn't want their coffee? All right. So let's just look about how do we change that metabolic message from the one that I just told you, explained to you, to one that doesn't do that. All right. The first thing that we have to do is not put any of those kind of creamers, you know, that are in the grocery store that have the type of ingredients that's going to stimulate, you know, change the coding message. So what we're trying to do is take the coffee. Coffee's wonderful. The, oh my God, the, the metabolic compounds in coffee are just phenolic compounds are 
fabulous for us. It extends our life. We know that if you drink three cups of coffee a day, you probably extend your life, but not if it sends the wrong metabolic message. Right. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of, of options. They're going to say this is crazy. So, okay, first the thing we have to do with the coffee is it needs some protein. Now, you really, it's almost impossible to change the metabolic message of coffee, except you can do it two ways. Okay, I hope these people are writing this down. Or they can just listen to the podcast again. Yeah. All right, we can change it by putting some protein in there. Again, don't have carbs without protein, don't have protein without carbs. Now, we can trick the body into going, hey, don't go this direction, let's go this direction. Now, we're going to put some protein in there. So you're standing in the kitchen and got your coffee, right? Now, there's some really crazy, crazy ways to do this. Okay, to change that metabolic message, we can use some carbohydrates um, or we can use some protein. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and get not skim milk. We're going to get some maybe low-fat milk, but not skim milk or non-fat dry milk or any. The, the, the milk has to fat, have fat in it, and I'll tell you why. The fat in milk reduces the glycemic response. How about that, pal? Love it. Think about that, pal. That the fat in milk is what makes milk good for you. Right. And telling people not to drink milk or not to drink milk products is utterly absurd. Okay? That's absurd. Ice cream is milk, and ice cream is great. All right. So, this is crazy. So, if you guys are ready. All right. So, what you can do with your coffee is go get just some milk that has a little bit less fat. You can use whole milk if you want. I don't care. Or, you know, but not not milk that has no fat because that's not the coating we want to do. All right. So now put as much in in there as you want. Who cares? Who cares? Put as much as you want in there. Okay. You can, you know, make them one of those hot lattes or whatever by heating up the milk like they do in Mexico. Right. And then pouring it in your coffee. It's really, really, really fun. Really, really, really good. Now, how do we fix the rest of it? Okay. Well, the way we fix the rest of it, um, it so, okay, you might want to sweeten it or whatever. Okay. So you can put a little peach or pear juice, but you've got to look at the, the, the container. It could be in a can. It could be the can over in the fruit section. And it'll say 100% peach juice or 100% pear. But read the back because sometimes it puts other juices in there that are they're going to throw your coating off. All right. So you might, if you want to sweeten it, you know, um, also Truvy is okay. All right. Um, so that's one way to fix it. Another way to fix it is to make some kind of a coffee smoothie where one of the things that undoes the message of the coffee, okay? And you can, this is really easy to do. So you, you just go get some fruit yogurt over there in the yogurt section, okay? Um, and, and not one with, you know, not one that says all artificial sweeteners or whatever or whatever. You know, preferentially, it's just, it's just a natural uh, yogurt with fruit in it. It's got to have fruit in it, right? Now, you can either eat the yogurt and the fruit with your coffee, or you can make this big smoothie using, okay, how, how bad is this? Take a scoop of vanilla ice cream and put it in your coffee. And you're going to say to me, what the hell are you talking about? You're a nutritionist, and you're telling me to fix it metabolically. I'm supposed to put eat it with yogurt or put some fruit yogurt in it, okay? Um, or a scoop of ice cream. Yes. Because ice cream, vanilla ice cream, is way lower glycemic 
than the creamers or anything else or any sweetener you could put in it. Let's just go to the coating level, recoating it, okay? So there's other ways to do it, okay, to, to make your coffee behave. Anytime that you have that coffee with a, a carbohydrate that doesn't going to trigger your blood sugar and insulin levels, okay, or like if you had the coffee with bacon and eggs and nothing else, that would be really, really bad. That would be really, really bad. <laughs> but if you have your coffee with some oatmeal and bacon and eggs, the oatmeal provides recoding. The oatmeal that you're going to eat, as long as it's, you know, not instant, not instant, that's going to recode the message of that coffee. So what we're trying not to do is use those powdered creamers or whatever, to use something natural in the dairy, whether it's ice cream, whether it's fruit yogurts, um, as long as it's a, a dairy carbohydrate that you're going to mix with the coffee. So I'm sure that, you know, we should give them some more, maybe a formula or a recipe or things to use like that. So it's the same thing for fruit smoothies, okay? Every time I see a fruit smoothie, they're putting in, um, they're putting in usually whole milk and bananas and all that stuff. I'm like, no. Okay, look, here's what we're going to do. First of all, don't juice anything. You can get over that right now. It changed what's called the burn rate, and it changes the spike rate, okay? We could go into that, but you'd go to sleep. You'd, you'd, you'd stop listening. That's a great... So one day we'll talk about the burn rate, yeah. but okay, let's say you want to make a fruit smoothie. Let me tell you how simple it is. Go over to Walmart, okay? Okay, go over to Walmart, and in because it's inexpensive, but it's really good quality, but you can go to another store. Who cares? But Walmart, go over to the frozen fruits and get... They have these beautiful packaged frozen fruit. Now remember, if you say... Guess what? Frozen fruit's healthier than regular fruit, and I'm going to explain to you why. Because they flash freeze it every minute and every second and every nanosecond that your apple, peach, or pear sits over there in the, in the, in, in the produce department, it loses nutrients. You got that? Every second that it sits there. Yeah. So that peach could have been sitting there for three days, and it's, it's lost its nutrients. When they flash freeze it, it doesn't. It doesn't. So you get the full benefit of all the minerals okay so now here's the here's the fruit things that you could get at walmart or whatever blueberries cherries anything with the bird berries strawberries blackberries anything with the word berry on it next peaches and pears so you can switch it sometimes they have these mixed berries where they have blueberries and blackberries all right get that get a few packages of what like a strawberry whatever you like okay all right, bring it home, stick it in your freezer. All right, now you're going to throw that in the blender, and you've got a variety of choices, which you will not believe I'm going to tell you what to, what to put in there, but here's your choices. Some yogurt or fruit yogurt, okay? Or if you want to dilute it with some diet soda, you actually can. And I actually have done this before, okay, and tell people, hey, if you want to put some diet soda in there, go ahead, because... We're changing the metabolic response of the diet soda. We've changed it. We've changed it up. You're making a float. So, yes, right. You can make it a float, okay? And then if you want to put some ice in there and then blend it and stuff, but I'm talking about the things you can put in there. Any kind of a fruit yogurt, any kind of one of those frozen fruits, and if you want to add a little bit of your peach juice or pear juice, you can do that, or you can, you know, add water. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can add to it. Now, I like to take my coffee 
that I put in the refrigerator, got it nice and cold, and I pour the coffee in that because you're going to get some energy from the coffee. So those are the things you can start mixing up in your head like, what? What? You can put all those things in one drink or keep them separated all you want. Now, what I'd like you to do is please ask us some questions on if you need better directions on how to do this. Also, here's another thing you can do. You can put chocolate milk in it. All right? You can put chocolate milk in there. Now you you're talking. To. Now you're talking. Hey, chocolate milk is a really, really big discussion in sport too, Doc, because it's, you know, it's sort of touted as one of those ultimate recovery drinks. The problem is there's so much sugar in some of those chocolate milk brands that it's a big, big problem. I know, but here's what problem. we're doing, Crusher. Here's what we're doing. We're changing when you put the chocolate milk in with the yogurt and the coffee, it changes the metabolic response. Exactly. It's just yes. that simple. It's just that simple. Love That's it. why fried chicken is not fattening. Do you understand me, people? Fried chicken, we did the clinical trials on freaking fried chicken. <laughs> it's not fattening. And here's why. It's not just protein alone. It has coating on it. Fried chicken has, they either dip it in flour or breadcrumbs or something, okay? And even dipping it in the breadcrumbs or the flour changes the metabolic response. So this company called me and went, hey, if we make this breading for the chicken, can we say low glycemic? And I went, yes, you absolutely can. I love it. So, but here's the problem. If you got the fried chicken, right, and it doesn't mean you eat five ton of it. You can eat two <laughs> or three pieces, right? Hold on. Hold on. Are you saying I can't eat a ton? Damn. Well, yeah, you can. Actually, I mean, I do, and I'm going to, but I'm trying to be, you know, reasonable on this call. Because <laughs> if I say, eat all the chicken you want, they'll go, I ate a bucket of chicken and I gained weight, and you didn't tell me that. that they're going to blame me. Understood. Understood. So just, okay. But here's the deal. If on that plate there's corn and potatoes, you are out of crap out of luck. Because the corn and the potatoes are going to reroute the coating to the fat cells, and everything's going into fat cells. Whereas, if you eat the fried chicken, but you don't eat a carbohydrate that's going to take it down the right pathway, like a sweet potato or broccoli. Or I tell you what, next time we do the call, I'm going to read you all the vegetables that you can have. Green beans, lima beans. Um, so what things that are out or fruit are like watermelon and bananas. But the other fruits I told you, great. You can have fruit. You can have, look, you can have a great fruit salad with your fried chicken. By having really fresh fruit, blueberries, strawberries, whatever, and some lettuce or baby lettuce, make a Caesar dressing, make a Caesar dressing with yogurt and those, you know, seasoning packets, just make it with yogurt. There's all kinds of fun stuff you can do to change, change the coating. So you can have sweet potatoes or sweet potato fries. You can have a nice big fruit salad. You can have lima beans, string beans. Uh, what I'm going to go through the whole list of all the vegetables because very few of them are out. One of the things that's out is cooked carrots or carrot juice. Out. Out of your out, take it out, give it to the rabbits. So you can see that there's ways you can switch up the food that'll change the coating at home. I love it. Doc, we're all becoming uh coding experts here. You you start us at coding one oh one. You know what I think we should do? Let's get our Let's get our corporate chef to maybe start throwing some of these together, and we'll, we'll post some of this on YouTube. I think that's a fantastic idea. Oh, I love that, because we do. We have a executive chef who's just fabulous. Oh, my God, the stuff that she can cook up. Yeah. Um, because we have thousands and thousands of recipes that we've tested just for the metabolic response, but we don't really tell people how to. We just want to see what the meta. Yes, let's get her.
her to write up some coffee recipes and um, smoothie recipes and things. Listen, people, just tell us what you want. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we get the Cordon Blue Chef on the phone with us for yeah. the next podcast? I think that'd be fantastic. I think that'd be fantastic. Okay, there you go. Okay, we'll check availability and we'll see what, what's happening there. But I think it would be great, Doc, because I think people are starting to understand that, you know, everything we've been talking about in the science of sweetness, we've really, really done a great job, I believe, of sort of outlining and defining the issues and the problems at hand. Now we're getting into the solutions and I love it. I love it. So uh, again, this is all sort of driven by the questions and the, the emails from our listeners. So this is fantastic. What a, what a great, what a great piece of information today's episode is in terms of, you know, finding solutions to some of the questions that have come in. And I can't wait to hear the next questions, but I love your idea. Let's get our executive chef, to write up some recipes for them and post them yeah. of like, what's the exact formula or recipe for the coffee, you know, for the milkshakes, for the smoothies. Let's give you an exact thing that they can choose from. Um, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, we're going to do it. All right. Hey, everybody, we're out of time today. Dr. Allen, I can't tell you how much we appreciate today's show. What a fantastic conversation. And again, now we're starting to get some answers. I think people are starting to, to put the pieces of the puzzle together when it comes to coding food, sending it in the right direction. Um, listen, uh, chocolate milk, we're talking. We're talking a fried chicken. We're talking proper smoothies. We're talking all this delicious stuff. And yes, coffee is great for you. And now you know how to fix it. Dr. Allen, listen, I can't thank you enough for today's show and the information today. Well, it's been so much fun, as it always is. The time has flown by, and I can't wait to hear from your listeners on, you know, what they took out of this and what they want to know. We deliver the information to you. Just tell us what you want to know. Of course, your idea about bringing the chef in to do the actual recipes for them of milkshakes, chocolate milkshakes, or how do you make your kids' chocolate milk be healthier? Um, all this stuff, we can just tell them how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And the great thing is with all the technology today, Doc, we can get in the kitchen, videotape her while she's talking, maybe you're talking, and we could post that on our YouTube channel and really, really help people out. That would be a lot of fun. We're going to get to work on that right now. That's juicy. I love it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, it really is. Okay, everybody. Dr. Allen, thank you so much. We got to cut out here and, and wrap it up. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. Get us your questions, comments, even smart remarks. We love them all. And uh, know this, we answer every single message we get. All right. We'll talk to you next time, Dr. Allen. Really appreciate it today. Thanks, Crush. And there you go, everybody. Episode number four of the Science of Sweetness, jam-packed with information. I have to thank, once again, Dr. Andouis Allen for all of her great information. Episode 5 will be coming up next month. But for now, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and also for writing in. You guys are really steering these conversations, so keep it coming. Again, crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. Keep them coming, that's for sure. All right, coming up next week, it is Crushing the Con Man. Con Man's back on Crush Performance as we do our annual NFL season preview. We're going to be looking at the players, the teams, the storylines, and we're going to make our bold predictions on who's going to win the Super Bowl next week. And we're also going to look at where we're at in our understanding of concussions in terms of identifying symptoms, managing the process, and returning to play. Uh, Dr. Martin Morazic will join us there. A really important conversation as we head into fall sports. All right, we're out for now, everybody. Get out there. Have a great week. Go have some fun, be safe, but most of all, get a little bit better. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Crush Performance.
Hey, it's Rock Riley, and I am so jacked up. I got a new podcast. Once a week, it's The Rock Stops Here. I'm going to be talking with athletes and entertainers, current and former, on making it to the promised land, to the top, and what happens when it's all over, and you don't know what to do, and you got family problems, and money creeps in, and health, and all that jazz. Real talk. No more corporate BS. I can call it like it is. The Rock Stops Here. With me, Rock Riley, can be found anywhere you find your podcasts and radioinfluence.com.